Well, now that quarantine has finally given me some time alone, I must find myself a new hobby. Hmm. What should I do? Cheese making? Nah. Offbeat comedy? No. Poster framing? Eh. Been there, done that. Oh, I know. I should handcuff myself to the bed all alone with nobody possibly around to hear the sound of my screams if something should happen. What could possibly go wrong? Let me just get myself comfortable. Ah, uh, now there we go. Childhood trauma at the forefront of my mind. Glass of water precariously perched and... Ah, there we go. Isn't this excite and I'm bored. Hmm. Why did I exactly do this again? Damn this short attention span of mine, yeah. I'm done. Let me just get the key and oh, oh darn, I, I can't seem to reach it. <laughs> I feel just like that lady who was stuck in a small private elevator. I swear, if the goddamn pizza rat comes in here and starts gnawing away on my body, hey, shadowy figure in the corner, space cowboy, moonlight man, Whoever you are, can you help a guy out? Alright, not much of a heavy talker, are you? And all that breathing, well, <laughs> I guess I'm screwed. But there is one thing I can do. At least the latest episode of Nightcaps at the theater has come out and saved me from a horrible fate. Tonight on the marquee, we have Mike Flanagan's adaptation of Stephen King's Gerald's Game. It'll be a total eclipse of the heart for sure. Now, Moonlight Man. Yes. Turn around, bright eyes. <laughs> So, um, welcome back to another episode of Nightcaps at the Theaters, ladies and gentlemen, and all in between, where we watch the movies so you don't have to. I'm uh, Buffalo Gals, once you come out tonight, come out tonight, come out tonight, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, here as always with my two effervescent co-hosts. Name yourselves, state your business. <laughs> my name is, uh, Matt Soggy Macaroni Cabrera. Ooh. <laughs> well, I was just, uh... Working hard for the weekend, Mark Zero Ju- Jr. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but in the key of quarantine, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more like sad uh, Jurassic Park kazoo <laughs> going on. Did the Muppets kind of- have a montage to that song in uh, in that movie? They might have. You yeah, know was- that that strikes a chord with me. Yeah, it's either that. I know they did more than a feeling. Maybe they. I don't know. I confuse Muppets song selections with Scrubs song selections a lot of the time. <laughs> Very similar shows. <laughs> um, but anyways, we're continuing our Netflixing and quarantining segment on the podcast. Um, based on everything that's going on in the world, all I could advise is please still wear your masks, please. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just, I really, I love, I, I kind of admire how everybody has just been able to set aside this pandemic and return. It's to truly the operation. American way, isn't it? I, I saw a video today of some people at a at a certain rally for a oh. certain uh, 
per, uh, <laughs> figure. And uh, yeah, they were like, you know, I, I do believe in the virus. The virus has taken, uh, t- it took a friend of mine actually like a few weeks back and uh, he, he died and then he had his son. His son was on a ventilator. He almost died. But um, uh, yeah, no, I don't wear a mask because it always feels like one side is telling you what what what's up and then the other side uh they're telling you different things and yeah you know i haven't seen people wearing masks and i you know i I know the virus is real but i don't wear it Mm. that other side being facebook oh my god i I wish facebook would just break down (laughs) i I just do not understand any of it unless you uh, like us on facebook which we're all for (laughs) do we update Um, our facebook though yeah, I do. I do every episode. All right. Okay. Then we we'll we'll keep it. I try. I, to go away. I want to talk about Facebook for a hot second concerning oh us because I keep looking at this boost in terms of. Uh, oh, don't don't believe like, that. I, it's like you can buy <laughs> like you can buy boostings. Yeah, I, I, I can like I can buy likes. Is that what it's like like telling me here? Like I yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. Or How do you just... think celebrities and on the Instagram and the Facebook get so many? Oh man, I suppose <laughs> it's all it's all those uh, suicide girls I've been looking at. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you don't you mean the adult actresses? Not, yes. <laughs> I, at least I hope so. <laughs> I mean, uh, so this movie? <laughs> yes, this movie. <laughs> Uh, to switch over to uh, brighter times, you know, our live lives have been a little suffering in this, well, at least speaking on my end, I don't know about the married one on the podcast. What? Um, <laughs> your I love stopped. life? Oh, I Is it good? Is it uh, bad? You know, it's... Hmm. I, same as it ever was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as yeah. the days go by. <laughs> my hand gets more and more appealing every day of the week <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's about it I, I thought that maybe I would choose a movie to spice up the bedroom of our podcast in a little sense of the word and the only clue that I offered you last time was a Rihanna lyric I believe it was like uh uh-uh, come on um, and um, saying that it would be a kinky movie mm. Yeah. Mm. so I also believe that Mark has seen this and yeah. I think he knows what I'm going to pick. Yeah. But um, I'm going to give a few more hints nonetheless, just so we can poke fun at Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, I'm lost. I don't right, even know what so, we're doing here. Um, uh, it's about isolation, which is <laughs> another hint. All right. Um, a hint that real deep cut, even if you're into this thing that we're going to watch, is Steve Miller Band. Hmm. Steve Miller Band, famous for songs like Midnight Special, The Joker, um, a lot of things. Yeah, I'm not, I I know I'm aware of a few of their main songs, but that's about it. And I just had a reread of this book in quarantine that this movie is based off of. Hmm. I confuse uh, Steve Miller and Glenn Miller. Mm, I couldn't tell you the difference. (laughs) Um... Is this Stephen King, may I ask? Well, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Ooh, I know there's only one author, John Reads. Some may say that instead of getting kinky, we're going to get kingy. 
Did you just think of that or or were you planning? That was premeditated? That was uh, premeditated. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Hmm. I I don't really know many. I I, I don't just want to list them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'll give this one to Mark. All right. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll play around with it a little bit. Just to uh, (laughs) kind of tease... uh, Tease y'all. Uh, hmm. <laughs> so it's a Stephen King book. Yeah. But but it's shorter than an average length book, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Has this director have <laughs> much experience with other Stephen King properties? Well, Mark, he he or she <laughs> or they <laughs> have. <laughs> Most recently being, hmm, uh, I think it would be Dr. Sleep. Is this a Netflix movie? It is. It fits in our Netflix in quarantine. Uh. Hmm. What could it be? Could there be a certain game associated (laughs) with this movie? Oh, there's a game, all right. But whose game are we going to play? Oh, is this 11, 12, 63? You got it, Matt. (laughs) That's a mini series. Oh, okay. Well, there, there's a, a lot of names kind of pop in my head. Um, uh, Jerry. This is no. Jerry's game. No, that's uh, a different movie. Arnold. Ar- Arnold's Hilda. game. <laughs> Football uh, head. Stoop kids. Stoop kid. Gene. <laughs> Eugene. No. <laughs> Me, Gene. Jamie. <laughs> it's 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 got a just sound to it yeah it does what about uh what about gerald what about uh, could it be gerald's game yes tonight we are watching none other than gerald's game yeah Woo! um the reason why i chose this is because a i just had a reread of it and uh dolores claiborne was too long that was gonna be my first choice because kathy bates in that movie her accent and um that we'll get to it in my my detailed notes but um Dolores Claiborne was written as a sister novel for Gerald's game and they kind of share some themes some characters and some uh cosmic mysticism going on that Mike Flanagan does address in this movie which I found very interesting for a Stephen King adaptation I I think that nine times out of ten Mike Flanagan can hit a Stephen King adaptation out of the park um aside from the new Pet Cemetery, which I did not like well he didn't do that Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Really? <laughs> yep. Which I'm still huh. curious to see. I still want to. I still want to see it. I want to see how bad it is. It. It's just it, the ending that was butchered. I. Mm. I didn't mind it actually. Yeah. But uh, that's surprising that because didn't that and Doctor Sleeper release in the same year? We, like, we go like through, prolific. I, I think me and Matt had the same conversation and we just never remember talking about or the answer to this. Yeah, I guess so. I want to say yeah, but I think last time we talked about it, we revealed that it was like not the same year. And who knows with quarantine going on? I don't even know (laughs) what year it is now. No, see, Pet Cemetery was directed by Kevin Kolsch. No, is that the... No. And Dennis Widmeyer. Are you on IMDb? I'm on Wikipedia, and Wikipedia what? never lies. Hold on. Wait a second. I told you. Ain't no way he's dropping two movies in a year. Who is he? Uh, Ari? He could have produced it. And maybe it was like, oh, from, from maybe he wrote it. No, no, he's right. Wow. I could have swore he did that. 
I, I, yeah. I remember seeing his name attached to it, but maybe, maybe at one point he was like suggested to direct it. He could have dropped out. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, my <laughs> Mike Flanagan, <laughs> 10 for 10, then good job, Mike Flanagan. There we um, go. All right. So let's get to my short but brief notes before getting into this motion picture, shall we? Gerald's Game is a 2017 American psychological horror thriller film directed and edited by Mike Flanagan and screenplay written by Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard. It is based on Stephen King's 1992 novel of the same title, long thought to be unfilmable, according to some source on Wikipedia. Hmm. Uh, The film stars Carlo Gugino and Bruce Greenwood as a married couple who arrive at an isolated house for a holiday um, when their kinky games ensue and something goes awry. Um, our main heroine, Jessie, is left to deal with her inner demons and some actual demons, perhaps? I'll never mm. tell. <laughs> um, critical response for this film has been really good. Uh, it was widely positive, um, positively received um, on review aggregator site Rotten Tomatoes. The film holds an approval rating of 91% based on 76 reviews with an average rating of 7.58 out of 10. Uh, the website's critics' consensus, consensus states Carlo Gugina carries, carries Gerald's game small-scale suspense with a career-defining performance. At Metacritic, which uses a weight of average, the film has a score of 77 out of 100 based on 12 critics, indicating generally favorable reviews. Stephen King called the film hypnotic, horrifying, and terrific after watching the rough cut and seeing the final product, but that's more like Stephen King. He kind of... Always likes his adaptations unless they're directed by Kubrick for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't really know about that, but um, that's all the notes I have on this. It's not, it really didn't have that many notes online. Wow. Um, but I do have way more when we get into the plot synopsis, and I try to um, dish out some parallels and differences from one of these books, uh, from the books, uh, the book, because um, I do love it. So. Yeah, so um, any initial thoughts before we see this movie? Hey, I mean, uh, I fucks with Mike Flanagan, so I'm excited for this one. It's shot nice for a Netflix movie. I mean, it still has those special effects that you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dr. Sleep had some of that as well. Yeah, this, this does feel kind of Dr. Sleep-esque. Okay. Except and, uh... without two and a half hours running time. And my, my ears definitely perk up whenever I hear something is unfilmable. And then, you know, they go ahead and do it. So I'm excited to see uh, the end product. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I've already seen this. I talked about it, I think, on a previous amuse-bouche or maybe before we even like decided to split it up. But uh, I remember uh, I remember really liking it. Um, it's structured re- uh, really well. Um, it kind of leaves a lot of surprises along the way as well. Um, haven't Haven't read it before. I know it's very very short it's yes. more like a novella right yes um and i i assume it like uh, mike flag it takes more liberties here than he does with the book in terms of the adaptation but uh i i would say i mean without even reading it it's one of my favorite uh stephen king adaptations wow. I, I i i really like this movie uh it, it's spooky um I mean, not so much spooky, but uh, it's suspenseful in, in, uh, in a lot of ways. That kind of keeps you guessing what's going to maybe happen next. And uh, even the, uh, and the ending is a little bit like cringe. Uh, cringe in terms of like, uh, like, like, ooh, like that kind yeah. of, uh, yeah, you wince at, at, yeah. a, at, a, at, a, at a specific scene. So, uh, yes, 
that that's something I'm going to be uh, <laughs> looking forward to revisiting. <laughs> You'll be looking forward to the cringe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, yeah, this is actually what kind of turned me on to Mike Flanagan, Mike Flanagan to begin with. I still haven't watched Dr. Sleep. Um, I, I've already, we've already watched uh, Hill House too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I Despite my mixed re- receptions on that, I still enjoyed my time watching that. And he seems to really favor Carla Gugina here and uh, other actor here. I hope mm-hmm. name escapes me. Um, is it Bruce Greenwood? He uses no, not, the kids a lot too. Not Bruce Greenwood, but uh, yeah. the um, her who plays her dad in this film. And, oh yeah, um, Elliot from ET. I forget his name. That's yeah. adult Elliot. He he uses him quite a bit. Yeah, you know, here Hill House. He was the dad yeah. there, and uh, and Doctor Sleep, uh, which I I saw the scene where uh, he was used, and I was like, okay, it's yeah. a bit it's a bit jarring, but uh, I can get around that. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah i've gr- I've grown to like him too uh so yeah i i'm i'm looking forward to uh watch this movie again especially with you guys so all right um so i hope you all brought your handcuffs <laughs> and your kobe beef <laughs> <laughs> we'll be seeing them in a, a delectable partnership throughout this movie and all i could say is mr sandman don't bring us a dream <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> no, go away. Welcome back, audience, and I could say that my co-hosts certainly aren't made out of moonlight. <laughs> we just watched Gerald's Game. Not Jonathan's Game, not Matt's Game, not Mark's Game, but Gerald's Game. Any initial thoughts to what we just viewed, gentlemen? Solid. <laughs> Solid. I like that. <laughs> and what say you, Matt? <laughs> oh, I already said what I said. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> interesting i i can't wait to hear you expand upon your "Hmm," comment (laughs) later on during the movie notes um i don't have any really much intro notes besides the initial thoughts um i'm gonna go into the plot summary please feel free to stop me when you want to interrupt with a joke or a gag or a uh some sort of jape uh because i'm pretty much a, a big stephen king mike flanagan fan as you assume so I wanted to go in detailed, but it is a short amount of notes because, as Matt said, the movie doesn't really go anywhere. It's not set anywhere different, so it's a little bit difficult to expand upon it. Yeah, the uh, production design for this must have been pretty easy. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to comment before we begin, though. Like, what makes you think um, that Hollywood kind of deemed this unfilmable at a point? Well, there's a lot of... A lot of uh, doubles. It's a lot of parent trap action. I don't know if they <laughs> wanted to do that for the whole movie. And um, other than that, yeah, just a lot of like philosophizing, uh, deep internal monologuing. It doesn't really, I don't know. It, it lends itself to an experimental kind of movie format. 
You mean they couldn't get Lindsay Lohan to be like, okay, Lindsay, <laughs> you're going to diddle yourself and then you're going to go back to the future. <laughs> oh, now I want to see this whole movie with everyone replaced by Lindsay Lohan. And one Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> the Muppet will be the, the Elliot from E.T. Dad. <laughs> I was thinking the Moonlight Man. <laughs> oh, that would that would work too if uh, uh, Snookums or Sugar was the was the, <laughs> the Moonlight Man. But uh, I, I don't know; it didn't really scream unfilmable to me. Maybe unmarketable. Yeah, I, I wouldn't see it as unfilmable myself. As uh, I, I mean, Mark pointed this out too, which I'm sure he'll expand upon it. This viewing, it really felt like, and I don't know why it struck me on my fourth viewing or so that it would make a way better play. Like it would make a good play if done in the right way. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's and, definitely got that flowerly, fl- flowerly dialogue that's spread out, especially within maybe the first twenty minutes of the film. Oh, we get that patented Stephen King <laughs> <laughs> fucking. <laughs> it's hereditary all over again. Don't look at me with that stupid face on your face. <laughs> I think hereditary really actually spoke very real to me. Like the dialogue was. You know, when it was silly, like that line, I love it, but I love it because it feels so real. Real! Like, it's something yeah. mom would say. Yeah. Like, it's something that, you know, you're so kind of, like, blinded by uh, your emotions in the moment that you don't really know what to say. You lose, like, all sense of the right expressions, and you say, uh, wipe that stupid face off your face. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. um... Oh, continue. Sorry. Oh no, no, I was gonna say, oh. or like, uh, I, you guys already know my thoughts on Hereditary, or like, uh, despite me thinking of it being predictable, I thought it had some of the most believable, uh, realistic dialogue I've ever heard in a movie. And that's yeah, what but I, I, don't I think, like to give it praise for. <laughs> I don't think kids chop nuts that fast. That's all I'll say. Or, or chop nuts at, at a party. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're drinking and we're smoking pot. Also, we're making a cake. Oh, how sweet. I love it. Yeah, yeah maybe. I'm there goes my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, it would make a better play. And I mean, with the dialogue, it's just Stephen King, as I highly recommend. He's the best, worst writer of them all. I, I love him. Daddy King, may you live on forever. <laughs> I really got, um. oh, what are those brothers? The Cohen? No, the other, the other ones. Um. J and uh, the Duplasses. Oh, I was gonna oh. say the Duffer. Yeah, no, no, I got Duplass vibes from no. this. You know, very much. Hmm. I, I I disagree. Uh, I I I would see that more with a Hereditary. I think. What films do the Duplasses have again? So I could be in the loop. Well, the one uh, this reminds me of is uh, the one I love on Netflix. They do uh, kind of like similar body double stuff. Oh, I wouldn't know. Oh, that's with um. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, right? Ooh. I believe so. Yeah, Ooh, I like her. She listen. I I know I'm I'm saving this for a moose bouche, but Invisible Man, really good. I uh, haven't Ooh. seen it. Really liked it. I have no clue when I'll see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, should we get into the plot? What? <laughs> That's gonna be quick. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, I still have an expanded note system, but it's going to be shorter than normal, sure. Uh, We begin with Bring It Home to Me by Sam Cooke in the Stephen King fashion of using music in his uh, novellas. He usually opens his books with a a song quote that he loves. Um, So this felt right at home that Mike Flanagan is using music to start and then kind of dovetail into Jesse's past as we get into it, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I enjoyed. It's uh, And there's this mirror shot where Jesse... She's packing 
for a, a weekend that she has with her husband, Gerald. And uh, she's very meticulous about it that the shot comes up a little bit later on in the movies. And I noticed that um, this viewing. So that, that was interesting to me. Um, they're packing for a weekend at their lake house, upstate in Fairhope, Alabama. This is one of the few Stephen King properties that is not set in Maine. So very interesting to me. Jesse is played by Carlo Gugino, who looks gorgeous, as I have down in my notes. She looks really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Like She's I said, uh, Cora from Downton Abbey vibes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Gerald, who is Bruce Greenwood, also gets the yes daddy <laughs> from <laughs> Jonathan Gorkowski. <laughs> he's a he's yes daddy. He's a buff old dude. Yeah. He's buffer I, than I am. Yeah, I, I still I don't really know this actor. I, I didn't recognize either of these two, but I'm. Told but he's in everything. Yeah, with all the movies that you watch, uh, I would be pleasantly surprised that you don't know who this is. Yeah, yeah I don't know. He's the man who I think who plays the president in most movies. <laughs> Maybe I guess so. The only presidents <laughs> I remember are uh, Craig Robinson. And I think that's it. What, and what, not what from Equality, which we just watched, which had a president. <laughs> when did Craig oh, yeah. Robinson play the president? I think it might have been in the threat level midnight episode of The Office. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not up my alley. I'm glad that's where your priorities are. <laughs> um, anyways, they're driving uh, down to Alabama and they nearly run into a stray who's eating mm-hmm. a dead possum. Jesse is concerned that the dog might have a collar and belong to someone. She's also very, uh, I guess, concerned that the dog is starving. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, this is this is one n- instance of unbelievable dialogue. Like, her first reaction to this is, oh, that dog is starving. Clearly, you've never been a dog mom before, Matthew Cabrera. I know you had a dog in the past. We mentioned it on the podcast. But... I have a dog in the present. Oh, my. What? Oh, yeah, you have Rosé. Sorry. She, she, She's saying this as the dog is already feasting on a possum. But yeah. it's a cute dog, though. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's it's starving. It's already it's already in the middle of a feast. It's eating a dead possum. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe these, maybe the Alabamians have a different <laughs> sense of whatever. <laughs> what starving means? <laughs> Just Ma, uh, we prepared a, a possum dinner for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God, we won't starve tonight. And I couldn't think of a reason why this wasn't set in Maine. Um, because, well, I don't really have a reason. But <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. I don't know why it wasn't set in Maine, but there are callbacks to Maine within the book that we'll get to. Okay. So it is tied loosely to Maine, um, as Stephen King often does. Um, the book came out in 1992, so there were no cell phones at this time. But I consider it a great close adaptation nonetheless. So all those phone questions that we had, take them out. They weren't in the book. I'm sure there was a – that's probably even better. There must have been a landline. <laughs> she's going to reach her toe over and she's going to do the old-fashioned dialing with her big toe, Matt. No, but you know, after – towards the end of the movie when she has an opportunity – could have at least, you know, dialed 911. I'm sure we're going to get to plenty. Well, I could have got out of that. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what I feel. But I, I I, mean, as someone who in his imagination has been handcuffed to a bed before, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been able to get out of this situation in just the same way. Yeah. We should ask George Costanza. 
<laughs> oh, I have him in our notes. Don't worry. You'll you'll have a George Costanza segment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Jesse, after reaching this vacation house with uh, Gerald, leaves some expensive Kobe ribeye. Kobe ribeye. Kobe ribeye. Yeah, I'm not bougie like that. Um, out for dollars a, a pound or a cut. Something. Yeah, that that's a lot. I'm not a steak person. I don't know how you feel about that. I'm not big on steaks, so uh, I'm, I'm more of a sirloin. <laughs> yeah. I would try it once, but, you know, I, I don't want to be uh, snobby. So give me a New York strip. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she leaves it out for this dog who goes by the name of Prince. At least Jesse refers to him as Prince. Because in the book, his actual name is Prince. And he gets a very detailed and sad backstory in the book. Uh, Prince is considered by many to be the most human character in this novella that's going on. It's it's very sad. Oh. He, his, uh, he was abandoned by his owner. Oh, and left on the a, side of the road. It's a Futurama he, moment. Oh, it definitely is. And he's been living in the, the woods for months. And it's meant to mirror Jesse's own sense of abandonment. Um, I just want to give kudos to Prince. He really is like his chapters. And he gets chapters in the Stephen King novella. So just to say what that means. Uh, he, he's he a got, really sympathetic character. He got more chapters than Hodor. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, and, uh, so they leave this Kobe, oh, I can't say Kobe ribeye for the life of me out on the, the, the street in front of their house and being white people, they walk in and leave the door wide open. So oh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, but I mean, so, so wait, yeah. Okay. Now we'll get into this later, but something came up in my All right. noggin oh. just now. Speak when you feel free to speak. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it turns out that Gerald and Jesse have set up this little um, vacation for a kinky game. Gerald pops a few Viagras and he brings out the handcuffs. A few too many. Yeah. <sighs> and he does some role playing, leaving a glass of water on the bed shelf above. And Jesse is wearing a brand new uh, uh, nightie. And she rips off the tag and lives it off on the um, the headboard resting above the bed as well. And they get into some role playing, y'all. Also, like a little detail here, she's no, she's trying to like kind of like look, you know, like seductive for him. Oh, yeah, she, yeah. She's she's trying way too hard. She she she's a catch. She oh, she she's a a a pristine. A uh, glass of fine wine. Yeah, she's a beautiful lady. Yeah. and But we, we learn throughout the movie that she's been conditioned to think that she's not good enough, right? I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, I think so. That she's like dirty and she can't be touched or she has to try too hard for the men in her life. Oh. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid? Snake? Snake? Uh, that means you're onto something. Yeah, I love the priorities of this podcasting trio. <laughs> no, that's a background sound effect on my other laptop. Forgot oh. I had on. Hmm, we have two laptops. A. Eh? Uh, yeah, maybe but three. I, no, we have three. Damn. Oh my god, I I agree with you, Mark. I feel like she she cuts herself down a little bit in this Ooh, movie. Cuts herself. <laughs> You're kind of I've giving something away here. I've said too much. I've said too much. How dare I? Um, anyways, as I said, Gerald pops a few Viagra and they're beginning to role play. At this moment in my notes, I put down in caps letters, I put down 
Caillou gif, yes, daddy, when Bruce Greenwood comes into the scene. Because as we mentioned, he is a ripped old man. He is jacked. Yeah. He is, he is good looking. That's crazy. I can't imagine. <laughs> I wish I looked half as good in my 50s, 60s. I don't know. Anything's possible with P90X. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jesse at first is into this, um, just because she wants to go along with Gerald's, uh, kind of kink and the marriage and relationship that they're in is on the rocks. He locks her arms, spread Eagle to the bedpost. And at this point, Mark brought up that we can just replace her face with George Costanza. So do you care to elaborate on that, Mark? Oh, I mean, (laughs) I mean, uh, she, she's, she's not in a position to get robbed here, (laughs) But uh, I just thought it was a funny bit of a Seinfeld humor. I just throw in there. Nine dollars. I wasted <laughs> my whole morning for nine dollars. Hi, hi. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? I'm taking your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> They're mine now. <laughs> oh, that's a good uh, episode. It's sad that I've never seen a full episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's coming to Netflix right. soon. It's supposed <laughs> to be moving. Yeah. Well, or maybe, I'm not, I'm, I'm, oh yeah, Hulu. Hulu no commercials, so. Mm, and I do steal Hulu from you, so. <laughs> there you go. Perfect, mm. perfect time. Unless you start watching, I'm going to cut off your access. <laughs> you wouldn't dare. <laughs> <laughs> Try me. Uh, so Gerald leaves a, the key to the handcuffs on the bathroom sink, and he pops yet another Viagra again. So he's doing a lot of Viagras. And he leaves that glass of water on the, as I said, the, uh, the I forget what it's called, the headboard shelf, the shelf above the bed frame. And yeah. he pretends that he's someone he's not and says, scream for help. There's no one around for miles. But maybe he's more like that than we think. Oh, yeah. In the book, it's strongly hinted that Gerald has been very abusive in the relationship. Mm. Um going forward emotionally physically and that you know jesse's at the end of her rope at this but she still wants to feel like she belongs somewhere in this but uh, in the movie i feel like gerald gets a a little bit more of a pass like i i I, he's almost kind of sympathetic because before like that shit starts going down he's on the side of the bed and he's 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 like fuck i feel ridiculous you know or uh, like but like in a more sympathetic kind of tone you know yeah. and she's like no and she's like no no you know you're not and it's kind of like he tries to lean back into it but like not in the way that you should start it off since yeah you know like it, it's it, there should have been a conversation that that that, that and it's that's awkward, really what it, right? it's what it boils down to there should have been a talk a, a legit yeah. you know kind of saying yeah. you know i mean maybe there could have been i mean i don't know if like he legit said it where it's like i i want to put handcuffs into this um yeah this role-playing scenario this scenario we're doing yeah uh, so i don't know if there was any hint to that i don't know not in the book and not in the movie so yeah. we don't know we just assumed that he didn't really mention it it was going to be a surprise yeah um but gerald gets rough uh mentions daddy and we find out that the two haven't really touched each other in months. So it's a bit of a loveless relationship going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? I won't let you out. Jesse, Jesse bites Gerald's lip to which I replied that the VFX for the scene, it sounds like she's biting a fucking apple. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I buy it. Something else I noticed in this watch. I mean, he is pretty juicy. Oh, but <laughs> I doubt if I, Mark, if I bit you, would you sound like an apple? <laughs> hey, I'm just giving more context. Yeah. 
Well, I have nipples, Mark. Could you could you bite me? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, Gerald then begins clutching his chest and holding his arm. In the book, Jesse actually gets a little bit more violent and she kicks Gerald twice to get him to stop. In the movie, she kind of does this little kick to get him away and they have this short conversation before the heart attack sets in. Yeah. But I, I thought that was a little bit more interesting that Jesse does feel very guilty, almost like she caused it. Um, we do find out later on in the novel that it wasn't it wasn't due to her kicking. It was uh, natural causes or okay. due to the, the Viagra that was going on in his system. But the kick wouldn't have done anything anyway. Yeah, um, that's it's just something. Yeah, it's another demon mm-hmm. for her to battle uh, throughout her situation. So I thought the book is a really good read. So even if you don't read, maybe you should give it a try. What's reading these days? Oh, my God. I'm just trying to teach these kids. <laughs> How can I reach these kids? <laughs> I'm allowed uh, to. It's I'm, my Freedom Writers moment. <laughs> I'm more of a Calvin and Hobbes kind of person. Oh, I love Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> oh, I've read that entirety, too. I need to get that the you, whole collection. The Omnibus? Yeah, that was mm. one of my birthday wishes for a while. But I guess birthdays come and go, don't they? (laughs) Uh, Gerald has a heart attack and falls on top of Jesse, to which I put down the always sunny opening place. Because can you imagine a more awkward situation than your husband dying on top of you while you're in handcuffs? Uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's another Seinfeld bit. Yeah? I'm pretty sure this is all straight from Seinfeld. Who who would heart attack? Uh, I can't remember an episode where that. Not a heart attack, but Kramer falls asleep on a woman. Oh, and then they, shit, they I can't throw re- his body in the Hudson River. They think he's dead. <laughs> I don't remember this one. Oh my god! A lot of shit goes down in Seinfeld, apparently. <laughs> oh me! Oh, was there like a mob connection? I think. Yeah, yeah. Fuck! Yeah, it's starting to come like a back. Very to me. Italian accent. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Jesse tries to wake up Gerald, but ends up kicking him off the bed. She calls for help, and I put down, Welp, here's your scenario now. Sorry, (laughs) Jesse. This is life now. I apologize. (laughs) Uh, Gerald's lying here on the floor, bleeding where you left him. (laughs) (laughs) Tribute to Pink. (laughs) Um, The sun is setting, and Jesse hears branches snapping outside. Prince enters the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) And saves her? And then she rides him into the sunset? I wish. If this was Lassie, it'd be a different story. Quick, bite the chains! (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Prince, I fed you that Kobe ribeye! (laughs) One good deed deserves another. And I also asked the questions, being all dog owners, how long do you think your dog would have eaten you? (laughs) Hmm. I think Lucky would have given me, like, a week, maybe. (laughs) In my heart of white hearts. Yeah, Rosé would be pretty quickly. But uh, Rosé... It would take her forever to finish. Yeah, Rosé would have years worth of material to work with. I I think I'm the least loved in this house, so I I think I would go pretty quick. I also have two dogs, so, you know, like, there's plenty to go around. I also, trivia, read that cats will eat you before dogs. Oh, yeah. No, not mine. No way. Hmm. I was, yeah, oh you know what maybe scratch that i did wake up you know that that urban legend where like yeah where uh, the cat steals your soul also a stephen king property i did wake <laughs> up to 
something like that maybe a couple weeks ago and it kind of oh my god kind of freaked me out I, <laughs> she's sleeping right right over here i'm, I'm kind of questioning her motives is <laughs> <laughs> she trying to suck out your soul when we get to um forget the name of the movie it has drew barrymore it's not Firestarter. cat's eye cat's eye oh i love fucking cat's eye i remember only watching the end of it and then um catching the movie as it starts up until the the drew barrymore moment i wonder if that's the one that has the smoker on the ledge because that is one of stephen king's best short stories it is it is it's what it stars james christopher oh james woods i was gonna say christopher walken but same deal yeah that 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 one that one kind of freaked me out a little bit yeah yeah oh i love short stories stephen king fucking read him man he's good (laughs) it's good shit we're in a quarantine. <laughs> I need more boys in wheelchairs uh, killing vampires. Or no, werewolves. Oh, I love Silver Bullet. <laughs> Piss on the Yankees. Piss on. <laughs> oh, my God. Future Watch. Definitely Future Watch. I do like that movie. I do like it. Oh, my God. With Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was a turn I wasn't expecting, to be honest. Oh. And then, I, and then I did read it. I did. I, that's one of the few Stephen King's uh, I've read. And I mean, I hate to go on a tangent, but did you read the one with the artwork? Yes. Oh, those artworks. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Yeah, I'm coming in in the window, the, you know, eating that girl. Yeah, ripping the face off the, the fucking policeman. Yeah, oh. it's crazy. Oh! <laughs> Anyone else quarter chub at the moment or just me? <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. All right, so Gerald's lying on the floor, bleeding where you left him. And the sun is setting. We hear a branch snap outside. Prince entered this room. And we do get some banter between Jess and Prince with, how is the steak? I don't suppose you're a rescue dog, are you? Prince is struggling with hunger, and he's gotta do what a baby's gotta do, and starts licking up the blood immediately, Mm. ripping off a piece of flesh from Gerald's arm, as the Rugrats were prone to do. Break me off a piece of that flesh from Gerald's arm. (laughs) I love it. I thought it was a little too quick. I thought you'd give it a little bit more time, I think, to gnaw off that uh that human. I don't know. I think I think dogs would be able to. I don't know. This is this I mean, this isn't a wolf or a German shepherd we're talking about. This is like, yeah, not- like a stray mutt. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like the Shih Tzu or Pomeranian <laughs> that me and Matt are accustomed to. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh kind of a canine. More, more well they're all <laughs> they're no, all canines. more like uh like a traditional uh, uh uh it's more like a lupine canine it looks like that he has some golden shepherd in him yeah <laughs> yeah um jesse throws a book across the floor to to get um prince to start stop gnawing on gerald's arm and did anyone notice the title of this book because it actually ties into some deep lore was it it no <laughs> Wait, the, the stand of a witch. Oh, the, the book, right the book that Jesse throws at Prince. Right. Uh, hmm. Good night, Moon. You're actually closer than you might think, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Go the fuck to sleep. You're uh, yet again very close. <laughs> um, the name of the book is called Midnight Mass. And Midnight Mass is actually a pet project of Mike Flanagan that um, Mike Flanagan incorporated into this because he's actually working on a a series, a movie entitled Midnight Mass. It's kind of going to be his magnum opus, as he states. And I I love when a director and author puts in an Easter egg like that. I just love it. Yeah, that is kind of nice. It's kind of yeah. like the uh, 
the what was it uh a13 disney <laughs> reference or whatever why was it called uh yeah the a113 yeah that there we go uh, that wasn't foreshadowing yeah pixar Ethan always does that mm. the, um, uh the the the, the blockheads cane from up <laughs> was in wally <laughs> oh okay yeah um uh do do pet projects um jesse hallucinates gerald is alive again um jesse doesn't really do this in the book gerald is alive of course but she also relies on a series of other characters that we did not meet in the movie including pumpkin um an innocent younger version of jesse pretty good wife <laughs> it's spelled pumpkin too so as much as matt jape sent me um that's actually how stephen king wanted it to be <laughs> insinuated uh we meet goody Goodwife, who's the puritanical version of jesse and we also hear from one of jesse's college friends um she left on bad terms known as ruth and ruth is basically synonymous with the jesse that we see her talking to in this movie the yeah. level-headed um you need to take action now or you're gonna die force in jesse's life okay interesting yeah um uh gerald or ghost gerald then awakes and there's this whole banter between them where jesse's like shit i'm fucking hallucinating i don't really want to be here anymore (laughs) and gerald reveals a joke that he told at their workplace where a life support system for a cunt is basically all women and i mean it's there just to well, I don't want to say just to it. It makes Gerald a much less sympathetic character than he yeah. was. But then again, it's from Jesse's memory. So we can't really take anything for granted at this point. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's very much her perception of Gerald or like how she kind of maybe views him as a whole, I think, yeah. like subconsciously. Yeah, I do agree this is entirely a feminist piece, as um, I, I'll get to a little bit later with the, the mirror or the sister novel to Gerald's game. But it, as I said, the movie does make Gerald a little bit more sympathetic mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. His, uh, in his plight. Um, Gerald isn't like that, but in the book, he is kind of like that. <laughs> we get a little bit more detailed backstory with Gerald. And he, as I said, he's physically and emotionally abusive, as well as being a dick. So it is expanded upon a little bit in the book. Um, He Ghost Gerald assures Jesse that she knew he was dead and he's pretty sure that she lost her mind. No one's here, but Cujo. We get a nice Stephen King reference to which I said, "Uh ah, yeah, I love a good Cujo. (laughs) Anyone see that? um, That still from the filming of Cujo where it's a guy in a dog suit and they're doing a can can. It's a it's a great still. I don't I don't think I've ever seen Cujo to be honest. What? Yeah. What? The only Cujo I know is um, ooh, is the oh yes, Cujo is the former alias of uh, what's his name? A really good electronic artist. Use the Google. Uh, yeah, I'm doing it now. I, I, like, I'm thinking Aeon Flux, but I know that's not. Oh no, that's a movie. Person's name. Um, let's see, Kujo. Oh, Amon Tobin. Yeah, really good electronic artist. Used to go. His he released his first album under the name Kujo, and that album is titled Adventures in Foam. Ooh, I, think- shit. I believe that. I believe that album has the song. Uh, fat ass joint, in which the only <laughs> lyric is something like 
fat I'm ass gonna, joint. Something like I'm gonna take a seat and roll a fat ass joint. Oh, I, I associate <laughs> with that. I think the only time I remember hearing first reference of Cujo was from Stephen King and Monkey Bone. Is he in Monkey Bone? That, that's him. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to it, catch up on my Stephen King filmography <laughs> then. Mm. What does he do, Mark? <laughs> oh no! Like literally, Brendan Fraser just runs into him like in hell, and, oh. and like it's just like his soul. But apparently, Cujo, like his creation, <laughs> is now living in Stephen King's body. <laughs> like that's that's like the referential material. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jesse hallucinates breaking bones and getting out of the cuffs, and then breaking the bedpost. Um, as I mentioned before, if I was in this position, I don't think I'd live. I think I would just die. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a high pain tolerance, but I don't think I'd be able to will myself to do something like that. <laughs> you would die gracefully. You would, you would accept it early. And you'd just kind of chill. People would show up and be like, uh, do you want the key? And I'd be like, no, <laughs> just let me die. No, I would, I would have to turn on my, my, bat, my Batman detective vision here and start be like, think, Mark, think. <laughs> Well, my bed is also fucking huge, so I doubt I'd be able to... And I have no uh, shelf above my bed, so I'd be pretty much screwed. I'd be calling for Siri. Should we now start discussing how we would get out of this, though? If we were um, in this specific situation? It comes with, with up... Surroundings? It, it comes up, and it's mentioned specifically in my notes, but it's at the very tail end of the movie. So if you would prefer to discuss it now, it might be better. Um, but uh, Stephen King does address this because, <laughs> like, we're given a lot of context here, where like she's been like, you know, like tugging on on the chains, where like she, maybe she's trying to slip through them, and we're, she's we're, pulling, we're, she's we're, tugging, and she's we're about, wishing, she's hoping, <laughs> <laughs> and we're about to get to that, obviously. But like, at no point in this movie, she decides to try and stand up and maybe yeah. kind of slide the cuffs like through the bedpost, but. Right. It's established, I mean, I, I admit she does not stand up and I would have at least tried to do that. Um, but it, it's established that like being a white person bedpost, it's just thick enough to hold the cuff. <laughs> it do, they do say that it's reinforced, but right. I, I mean, I don't know, like, uh, uh, Hugo, I, Matt. I have a it's question that good, good that wood. I don't know how it's reinforced. Like, what is it's that? It's good, mean? good white person wood. <laughs> I guess so, because what I was thinking is she could, you know, kind of contort herself a little bit. She has her legs free, so she could just kind of kick the post and break I, it. I don't know how you imagine she can karate kick the post. Yeah, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little wood. That could work. Uh, next, next time you're over and quarantine's over, you got to reenact it for me. So I right, you say, me. say goodbye to your bedpost. <laughs> I don't have any, but sure. <laughs> I can't imagine she's as frail as like she's trying to make herself out to be. So I believe she, uh, she has a really good genuine uh, amount of strength that she could like, I don't know, maybe tug one of those posts off. It's uh, it's, it's hinges. Yeah. I don't know. I, I eh, just me, but uh... you break the post off its hinges and place them in the fuck boy's hands. <laughs> there Basically. you go. Yeah. If only you were handcuffed to the bed, it would have been a different story. Um, Jesse <laughs> Jesse reveals her confident personality, and the confident personality suggests that Gerald's five inches aren't worth dying over. So you really need to mm-hmm. get over this and buck up, Buttercup. And this is a reference to the book. Um, 
And um, while they're discussing, Gerald also has these backhanded uh, comments where he says that Jesse is no mother and um, that she would never be a mother because she doesn't have the mothering instinct going on within her. And he mentions someone being he put you in those handcuffs way before I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we question ourselves, who's he? But we're not given an answer as night falls. Um, <laughs> she then attempts to reach the phone, which, all right, it's a phone. I would have tried a little bit more, just saying <laughs> myself. But they, they give up pretty quick on this. Also, iPhones, I, they have really strong standby battery life. I'm just going to, like, I mean, there were times, not an iPhone, but an iPad. I, I assume it's basically the same. Where, you know, I had an iPad and I would not touch it for weeks on end. And I go back to use it. It's still at 100%. Well, I would say that Gerald isn't of our generation because, but then I would also say my mom being of that generation mm-hmm. uh, constantly charges her iPhone. So it would always be at 100% charge. <laughs> so, that's just me. They could have an older model and oh, definitely. It, the, the, the battery is on its last legs. I mean, it's an iPod touch. <laughs> I can only say that right now because I, I'm in a similar situation with my phone. It's ancient. Mm. Yeah. It's that rotary dial that you got to dial with your toe <laughs> from off the bed. Yeah. Um, so uh, we find out that Jesse has hid the Viagra for six months. Oh, no, sorry. Gerald hid the Viagra for six months and Jesse found out, but never said anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out the only time that Gerald could get it up with was which, uh, with a little bit of risk going on or a little bit of violence. There was one night where he tried to strangle Jesse and he was able to have sex with her. And um, while they're recalling this, Jesse's other persona says, you're glad he took those little blue pills. And she seems to remember that there is a water glass on the bed frame above. Mm-hmm. And the shelf is able to be tilted slash lifted. And she precariously brings the glass down to her mouth only to find that it cannot be reached. And Prince starts chowing down again. And the dog is just doing what he has to survive. So at this point in the novel, something that I wish Mike Flanagan would have, and I mean, I, I hate to sound like the person that's like, according to the book. <laughs> it's a different story. You do. Yeah, that's basically my mantra at this point. But um, <laughs> at this point in the book, uh, Jessie does have the glass and she's uh, getting stuff ready. I think she drops it or drops something. I... I can't remember exactly because I read the book about three weeks ago, but she does. uh, um, Prince startles her by barking and she basically like drops the glass in a position where it could still be reached, but she kind of gives up for the moment. I think it's very weird. And I don't think that don't quote me on that, but she drops something and is like startled and doesn't want to reach it again. And she tells Prince to shut the fuck up being a dog. (laughs) Um, but at this point, she then remembers the the tag on the back of her dress, and her other self reminds her to um, to use her memory in order to create a straw to then drink the water, so it's close enough to her mouth to to then reach. It's pretty yeah. clever. Makes sense. I, like yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I still don't think she'd get as good of a seal on that by rolling it with just one hand as was portrayed in the film but yeah okay fine i'll give it to her i also think that stephen king has a paragraph on that seal so maybe you should uh, <laughs> give the book a read yeah 
Um, but Jesse is able to drink the water, and the water will come up a little bit later if I remember. I I am of the opinion that Jesse should have finished that water before she broke that that glass, but that's yeah. just me. True. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but Jesse has some water. She survives for another few hours, and she crashes and goes to sleep. We then get creepy shots of the house. And Prince is startled by an unseen force as the camera creeps towards the bed. Jesse awakes. Uh, she's startled. She gives the room a glance, doesn't see anything. And then eventually, from the dark corner of her room, no, it's not a waking nightmare, as I often experience in my life. It's none other than the space cowboy, the Moonlight Man, played by Carl uh, Strucken. Uh, I think he was also lurch in the adams family movies it, it, it is lurch okay I, yeah. I think you told me that mark but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah very good character actor going on here mm-hmm. playing some good roles and he's standing watching in the corner and he shows jesse his treasure treasure box full of bones and jewels and jesse can only shake her head close her eyes and say you're not real you're not real no thank you not interested oh. <laughs> I gave it the office. (laughs) (laughs) Gerald then appears. I'm thinking, uh, listen, you got to buy some of these where it's trying to support a youth basketball team. Nope, nope, nope. I I can't. I just bought three chocolate bars for my daughter. I have enough. enough. I'm closing the door now. We're selling trefilets. Move your foot. (laughs) Think of the children. (laughs) No. Get the gun. <laughs> but uh Ghost Gerald reveals that maybe he was real. Maybe it was death. Uh the moonlight man. And he suggests to Jesse, why did the dog leave then? And maybe this man has moved under the bed, which I think is much more prominent in the book, because that, that is a fear. You can't see under the bed. Maybe he's lurking under the bed. Yeah. True. Uh, so that that's scary. And uh Ghost Gerald calls Jesse Mouse, and this sets off a subconscious reaction. As Jesse dreams as we get into act two of the film. (laughs) Uh, There's a flashback to childhood. We meet the 12-year-old Jesse. Mouse is a nickname for her from her dad. Uh, Tom, the mom, Sally, who's played by an actress from the the Haunting of Hill House. I think she's Cleo in Haunting of the Hill House. Yeah, she's one of the daughters. The one that unexplainably can read everyone's thoughts. Yeah, but I mean, I loved Haunting of Hill House. I know Mark was... Uh, on the fence I, I i have my issues with it i i still like it regardless but uh you know uh, um i think what's odd here is i mean like mike flanagan does this quite a bit now because we're like you're playing someone's daughter and then like then you're now playing someone's significant other here and he's usually I love with, that though he's because he, now he's playing that up now with a uh, um elliot actor here and i still don't know his name uh you know, let, me just, I, let me just imdb him real yeah fast. i'm, I'm I sad i didn't i thought i did Oh, I have it. Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. There you go. Henry Thomas. Which, it's in my that, notes. He reprised his role as Elliot in one of the <laughs> commercials for uh what was it now? I can't oh, remember. I don't remember. It was it was like Verizon or something. It might have been. I thought you were gonna say this movie and that E.T. told him to touch little girls instead. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and you know what? He's actually uh gonna be in Midnight Madness. Ooh. Yeah, um, looks like a full season that he's uh, slated to be in. I, I don't yeah. know. What, um, I, I don't think he has a character yet, but uh, yeah. 
So there you I go. Love a good ensemble cast. It's very Bergman. It's very <laughs> Ryan Murphy of him. Oh my god, he's supposed to be in a new Dreamcatcher. Oh no, <laughs> he's playing Luke. I don't know the characters' names <laughs> for Dreamcatcher. Unfortunately, uh, I think he's one of the four um, friends. Uh, All I know from Dreamcatcher is the the shit weasels and Mister Gray. <laughs> Fuck me, Freddy. <laughs> if you insist. Um, so, Mom Sally, Sister Maddie, and Brother James. Uh, it's a whole Hill House reunion with Elliot from E.T., Henry Thomas as Tom, and Kate Sigal as Sally. So I guess one of the girls wasn't from Hill House. I just thought she was. Hmm. Go figure. Um, at their lake house, there's going to be a total eclipse of the heart. And Jesse doesn't want to see the eclipse on the lake. Jesse is a daddy's girl. And the mom, who we thought was a stepmom, is actually bitter over Jesse's reaction towards uh, just wanting to stay with Tom. And he clearly takes her side. Um, which is, uh, I don't know, I would go with mom. But that's just kind of my my parenting motive. I don't I don't know what her deal is here. She's she's acting really aggressive in a in a way like towards her daughter. Like I I I can't really tell why. Ugh, well, as sexist as I hate to sound on this podcast, and I don't mean this literally, but she is pregnant with another one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just seems a little bit uncalled for. I mean, your daughter's only like twelve years old, and she's like, like I I pointed out during it because I I remember her. I, I thought she was the stepmother yeah. to, uh, to him. And that's right. why I, I thought it made a little bit more sense of her, like kind of passive aggressiveness, but uh, no, no, it's yeah, uh, she, she's given those tropes. And kinda, like I said, a bitch. Well, well, jokingly, you know, I, there could be a lot going on in this woman's life too. You know. well, yeah. It really, yeah, that dialogue was kind of off. It, she was uh, much I don't know, worse of a parent than she needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the oh, mom's better. Oh, oh, sorry. I just want, I just wanted to clarify the Dreamcatcher remake is not the actual Dreamcatcher book. Oh. So I just wanted to point that out there. Oh, well, I guess I'll skip it then. <laughs> All right. Back to the movie. All right. Mom is bitter over Jesse. Tom clearly takes her side. And then there is some bad touching going on here as he takes her out to the swing. Which is clearly a bench, according to our, yeah, there's no our humble viewers. There's no swinging involved here. But you've never been on one of those swing benches? Like, I have. I've never I, I, heard of that. No, no, no. It looks I, like a bench, but it's a swing. I understand what you're saying, but there, there's no... I, I haven't seen any swinging that's going on here. Unless... Oh, forget it. It, it would be a bad joke if I, if I finished oh. it. Oh my! In um, order, in order for it to be a swing, it would have to be, you know, connected to to a post or something. No, it doesn't, because you can have like a a, a low vertical swing going on there. But it, but then that would be a rocking bench. Yeah, it's kind of rocking, but it swings back and forth at the oh, same time. Oh, there's some rock in here, but don't come a knocking. Oh, no, we can't unless, do this. Don't come a knocking unless you got the police with you. Oh. No, not on this podcast, please. We're about, we're, we're about to talk about it. There should, have been, there should have been a lot of rocking during that moment, a lot of back and forth, and there was not. It just wasn't there. A lot more sounds too. Oh no! I'm gonna I'm gonna publish a whole article on Medium with all the details that you know hint that this is a bench and not a swing. 
I'm going to write a Kotaku um, article about this. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but they're sharing this Viewmaster, which I also, to watch the eclipse, which I was also like, oh, she decorated her Viewmaster. I wouldn't have done that as a child. <laughs> you um, would have done that as an adult, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's some supernaturalness going on during this scene that I think I'm going to mention a little bit later. Yeah, I do. That I just wanted to point out. As Jesse watches the eclipse and all this is going on, she kind of envisions herself in a different place than the action of the story. Uh, we do get this extremely creepy dialogue between father and daughter where sit on my lap. Oh, you used to be a young girl, but I guess that's not happening anymore. Uh, we also get the word yeppers, which I fucking hate. I don't like that word. I, I can't stand it. Oh, it's mentioned because it's my notes in quotes, so I would not have put it down if Yeppers, Yeppers was not mentioned in this movie. I don't mind Yeppers. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Tom, you don't, you don't mind Yeppers? Yeah, that fucks with Yeppers. Oh, I, that's, a, that's a dirty word for me. <laughs> I don't know if I fuck with anyone who says the word yeppers but oh, you got to keep it a secret you got your own traumatic memory of of being yep. I, ha- I have goosebumps at this moment just to receive, <laughs> describe to you receiving a yuppin oh. a, a yepper on yep street a new goosebumps oh. book this is my moist <laughs> we found it um but as the eclipse happens tom sexually assaults his daughter on his lap and it's Oh, it, it doesn't feel right. To which, Mark, you had something to say about this, about the filming of this sequence? Just a question to pose? Yeah. You, 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 you it very don't. inspiring. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> it, it made me want to make my own films. No! <laughs> no, it's, it's uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. uh, but it also begs the question, how do you film a scene like this? Yeah. Oh. Like, like what's, like, how do you like i mean, obviously th- th- this girl is like very very young like she's not like not like someone who's like 17 or 18 years old as far as we but know that doesn't make a difference no no no. well i'm saying like in, ter- in terms of having the comfortability and filming that scene oh yeah and yeah. conveying that to a, a younger actress like this girl is and like how old henry thomas is now yeah he must be in his 50s i think uh et taught him the wrong things oh, oh no actually yeah he's born in 71 wow uh so and... not even 50 no wow how did you do math so fast <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> oh, he's a he's a he's a hair away from 50 i think damn yeah uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, what Mike Flanagan might, might've like tried to like had to say to her, maybe like, maybe had to deal with the whole kind of like, don't look, you know, just the acting from this child actor is amazing. Though. I'm sure yeah. she's scarred forever. And we'll never <laughs> forgive him. Oh my God. This is the role I look back on. Yeah. I'm surprised I know, we have what Sam cook playing here. Oh yeah. To give a reference to the opening of the movie and how that song kind of forces Jesse to remember what would happen to her. I think it was a you know um, a bad a bad choice. I think we could have had a total eclipse of the heart playing here. No, they would never do my girl dirty like that. That's my song. Well, there's nothing she can do. Total eclipse of the heart. <laughs> Turn around, bright eyes. Yikes! Uh, yikes! 
Yikes, indeed. So, so, so Jet- what, what, what exactly does uh, this father do here? He pulls a Louis C.K., right? Oh, my God. I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean he, he's not standing in front of any doors, and there's no telephones involved. Yeah. And this is also his daughter, and Louis C.K. didn't do that in front of any, like, women under 18. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm okay. Sorry. Yeah, I just want to make sure. Maybe we shouldn't have watched this movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Jessie wakes up in the present and her hand is cramping. No circulation. I put down great makeup effects on her hands. Looks very real. To which Mark responded, no, she's just method acting. Exactly. The the things you do for a role like this. Uh, Gerald is decomposing and Jessie never told anyone about this assault. Her father was a lawyer, and she realizes that Gerald was also a lawyer. Both were alcoholic. Both minimized Jesse's presence in their lives. And she basically married her father. Um, yeah. She has always been denying that her father has raped her. Um, she then describes, so this is the big point. Her and Dream Gerald have this discussion. She describes a dream seeing a woman and... While this eclipse is going eclipse is going on, she saw this woman from the perspective of the bottom of a well. And she wondered what that woman who that woman was and why it smelled like oysters and something else. Um, this is actually very prominent as Dolores Claiborne was a sister novel published at the same time. And uh, while the original Dolores Claiborne movie does not mention this at all, um, the two have a vision of each other within the novels. Uh, Dolores Claiborne is in the process of murdering her abusive husband by pushing him down a well. And Jesse sees that almost kind of through like the shining or some psychic powers that going on at the same point during this novel, because it's happening during the eclipse in both novels. Hmm. So I, I, I just really like that's interesting and it, it depicts uh, women overcoming their toxic relationships at the same time. And Flanagan was thinking about putting in this movie. And at the last second, he said, I should put it there um, because it's very true to the novel, even though most of the audience, unless they read or um, were familiar with Dolores Claiborne, wouldn't have gotten, uh, gotten this uh, monologue going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> but, but I got it. That's all that ma- I was aware. <laughs> um, so Jesse then has this oof, this this conversation with her dad where he gaslights her into not telling. Oh yeah. Oh my god, and it's very. Oh wait, no that that happens a little bit later. But um, she does. Uh, she is revealed. She has never told while um, um, Gerald is telling her that the blood on the floor is clearly a footprint Mm -hmm. and that this moonlight man might be realer than she thinks. Um, Jesse then goes to sleep once more and sees herself as a child. And then we get this awkward conversation, which might be the best scene, but it's extremely, I don't know. It just makes me feel skeevy. We've all had the talk. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I'm going (laughs) to, market this episode to the populace but but i'll try my darndest i swear uh but you know you picked the movie john i did pick this movie oh i should have picked dolores claiborne instead i'm sorry (laughs) but that's almost two and a half hours and i don't think we would have managed (laughs) 
Um, Tom convinces Jesse not to tell anyone and that it's basically her fault that she was raped in the first place and suggests the family would be ruined and we have to keep it a secret forever. Jesse is old again and she's talking to the ghost of her father saying she agrees never to tell anyone. We also, uh, Tom is unable to face Jesse with the lies and says, it must have been the eclipse I put down. If that's not a Roseanne Barr excuse, then I don't know what is oh yeah that is some fucking it, nonsense yeah it was the quaaludes oh my <laughs> god I'm, i i i don't know what it was i mean i mean i mean what did you <laughs> <laughs> uh and then young jesse lays on the bed and we get a transition to moonlight man is sucking on them toes oh yeah Oh my, and this is a jump scare, if anything. Usually when I watch this with people who are unaware of this, I know I watched this with our friend of the podcast, Melanie, and she she had a, a guttural reaction to this scene, so mm. she just said, ah, and yeah, cringed away. I've, I've seen enough Tarantino movies. It doesn't phase me. Ah. Uh. Yeah, while, while, while she was screaming in agony, I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, that describes just about every... Sexual encounter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, Gerald then describes how Jesse will eventually decompose in this whole monologue that the coroners will find her and label her death a death by misadventure. Um, (laughs) I can't read my notes here. Oh, um, at this point he mentions all things serve the beam, which is a connecting force throughout all of Stephen King's novels because the beam is basically a wheel in which Ka, the immortal force of the universe, serves. And depending on what spoke of the wheel you're on is what universe your your Stephen King world is set in. Huh. Does that make sense? <laughs> in which novel is that explained? Uh, which... like, it's never really explained. It's pieced together. I know that in It, uh, they're on the wheel of the spider. Uh, so basically that's the, the, the demon that It is, and he descends in Maine on another... It's uh, like the Wheel of the Rat. I know that during the Dark Tower series, a fan favorite of Mark, <laughs> uh-huh. um, that they are on a different spoke of the wheel. It's just these universes are um, occurring at the same time and in different universes, but they're tied together by the the main juxtaposition of this wheel that is Ka. Huh. How, how would her consciousness like know about this? It's just a Stephen King thing that he throws in to connect his universes. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's just so wacky that yeah. her, that her brain would somehow conjure up this idea. Well, let me tell you, cocaine is a hell of a drug. So have a few bumps of that, and then you'll be writing like Stephen King in no time. All I need to do is do a line and get hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. She does. Uh, Jesse comments that her wedding ring oh no a a ghost gerald comments that jesse's wedding wedding ring is gone and part of her body is gone jesse then goes to sleep um and pictures her young self during the eclipse i also wrote down during this viewing i think that this was a a sped up or slowed down version of an audiobook clip that they used because they have music in between the chapters and that would have been really interesting if it was and no one else would have noticed in the world but me. So, <laughs> so wait, what, what is the piece of music here? You're talking about like the instrumental, the score? Yeah, there's an instrumental where she sees the eclipse. And right, it's like... Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
I, I didn't do justice to that because my voice is not a series of instruments. But uh, having just re-listened to the audiobook, it would have sounded like that, but at a different tempo, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It's pretty it's possible. I don't know. But, I mean, I'm probably pulling at straws here. But that's know. just Put my student thing. See what happens. Put on the Cause a wheel. Cause a wheel. <laughs> <laughs> What can I say? Uh, but Jesse, oh, sorry, I keep no, no, interrupting. No, 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 no. I was just going to point out, like, have we have we mentioned that she's also talking to herself here as well? Oh, yeah, that, that's what I was going to put down. That she's talking to her younger self. Well, no, and- I mean like her other, like, real self as well. Because we've just been mentioning Gerald, but like she's also oh yeah yeah there's another version of herself where like there's now two of her now while well, talking to Gerald as well. Yeah, which is and this- weird back and forth. Yeah, this ghost version of um, Jesse that we see talking to, this confident version, would have been replaced by Ruth in the novel. So Ruth was kind of a college friend, um, very into women's rights at the time that Jesse had a uh, a bad ending with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of got into a fight and they didn't really talk again. And I'll get to her a little bit later. But yes, yeah, she is talking to a ghost version of herself. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because I wasn't sure if that we actually mentioned it earlier. Yeah, and there's like 10 other versions that she's talking to herself in the book too. <laughs> so I do like that Mike Flanagan kind of um, segmented it to two or three versions that she's talking to. Um, it makes it easier throughout the oh, film's yeah. runtime. Yeah. Um, but at this point, she's talking to a younger version of herself and younger Jesse wants Jesse to remember and Jesse's like, you don't think I don't remember being raped? And she's like, no, after that, you need to remember what happened to you after that in order to get out of this scenario that you find yourself in. We then get this dinner scene where Jesse and her family are talking after the eclipse. And Jesse is so traumatized by what just happened to her. She crushes a glass in her hand. Sally, her mother, notices. And that kind of lends a little bit more to her character. Like, did she notice but didn't say anything? Or did she notice him want to say something? But right. Jesse crushes this glass. She starts bleeding and her father patches her up. But she's basically dead inside. She's hollow at this point. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And Jesse realizes what she must do. So at this point, gentlemen, I got to bring up the research that King put into writing this novel. So you may figure to yourself... Would handcuffing yourself to a bed be an inescapable situation? So I'm going to tell you what King did to scientifically test out this notion of his. So when King was in the process of writing Gerald's game, he wanted to make sure that his heroine, Jesse, would be portrayed accurately handcuffed to a bed and that there would be little to no escape. So, being that he had a few children in the household at the time, he called young Joe King, now known as Joe Hill, uh, writer of such books as, uh, um, oh my god, I can't remember, um, uh, Horns, uh, our favorite Nosferatu, and others, who's continuing King's legacy. He, He called young Joe and said, Joe, son. Let me handcuff you to this bed here. Joe, being a child, said, sure thing, dad, I'll allow it. And he basically suggested to Joe that he try to get out in any way possible. He left Joe there for a day or two, or however long. And uh, his wife, Tabitha, came along and basically was like, Stephen, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) And he goes, Tabby! I'm trying to work out the heroines of my new novel. And Tabby went, okay, just, you know, make sure our son's okay. 
And no matter what Joe could do, being a young spry child at the time, he tried standing, he tried flipping, he tried whatever. He could not get out of this series of handcuffs attached to the bed. Hmm. Um, it was then um, inspiration for Stephen King in his mind that he had to think of a creative and gruesome way for Jesse to be able to get out of the handcuffs. So fortunately for Joe, he did not test out this method, but he researched the medical method known as degloving, which is an actual medical procedure. Um, yeah. So <laughs> as much as my as, sleeve. Yeah, basically. Except um, arteries and tendons. <laughs> and bone and brittle. But I just want to say. I've heard of gloving, but. Ugh. Yeah. Degloving is an actual thing. And I've spent hours on that wikipedia page if you want to give it a look i don't think that's going to catch on at the rave he spent hours on live leaks oh no i i don't know but uh if you want to say anything stephen king used his own child to test out his theory how old was he (laughs) i don't i think he might have been a teenager at the point but i'm not Mm. sure i'm not stephen king i didn't give you know i wasn't in the stephen king household at this time okay but I, I did do my research and that's come up multiple times on podcast and, uh, you know, Wikipedia articles that I've read. So it has to be true. <laughs> it um, has to be. Yeah. Jesse then realizes what she must do and <laughs> ghost Jesse says it's going to fucking hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Gerald still doesn't think that it will work, but Jesse surmises that there are fewer risks as there's left ner- less nerves in your wrist, that's why um, many people cut their wrist, or in Roman times, why you would take a warm bath and then cut your wrist in a suicide attempt, because apparently it's more painless. I don't know, I've never tried. <laughs> <laughs> but once you start, you can't stop. Prince is just being the watcher in this book, and he's just, he's sitting there, <laughs> giving the old Scooby-Doo side tilts, like, what's gonna happen here? You can do it, Raggy. <laughs> I hate you, but I love you at the same time. Uh, She crushes the glass in her hand. She impales a piece of glass into the headboard. And then she begins to slit her wrist vertically, tearing the skin in such a way that the skin fillets and is able to be transitioned through the handcuff, handcuff almost as if it were a glove in the process of degloving. Very gruesome. Yeah. It's very good special effects, though. Very good practical effects, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Makes uh, you want to watch it all over again. Oh, I love this. I don't cringe. I kind of enjoy this, if I'm into <laughs> Nah, yeah. I wince. Oh, I yeah. love it. It's worse than I expected, but yeah, we, we got through it. Yeah. Uh, Jesse then pushes the bed frame to one side of the room to check the phone, only to see that it is dead. Fuck Siri. Uh, Jesse then drags the bed to the bathroom sink. She gets the key shaking and you're initially like, is she going to drop the key? Because she's picking up with her right hand, which is mangled at this point. But she transitions the key to her mouth and frees herself and gets some water. Then bandages the hand with some Tampax, which is also featured heavily, uh, prominently in the book. Mm. And it's slowly getting darker and she eventually passes out at this point. Um, she wakes up at night and Prince is trying to eat Jesse's hand to which she bats Prince away and has found out that Gerald's face is severely disfigured, almost more so as if the dog wasn't the only one messing with it. Um, Jesse stumbles to her car keys. Prince is growling at an unseen force in the hallway 
And she walks down the hallway, and who do we get? None other than the Moonlight Man himself standing in the hallway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, one thing I'm a little confused by. Yes. Is, is the dog the Moonlight Man's? No. Okay. And I don't remember why I was confused by that. But there was a reason. <laughs> All right. If it, if, Maybe if I'll it think of it. Yeah, if it comes to you, no problem. Uh, but the Moonlight Man is standing there, and he has a little parcel of bones. And Jesse replies to him, "You ain't nothing. You're just made of moonlight." Yeah, <laughs> and she deposits her a, wedding ring. She kind of pulls an it on him. Oh yeah, clown, clown, <laughs> clown. You <laughs> clown. shit, bitch. <laughs> Fuck you and your mama, clown. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Jesse gives the ring and she proceeds out to the car. The spirit of Gerald, uh, waves her off as she, she gets in this car. And I would have loved if, uh, she doesn't do it in the book, but I would have loved if Jesse like ran over the ghost of Gerald. That would have really been the icing of the cake on me, but I'm just saying, uh, she hallucinates the eclipse and that the space cowboy slash moonlight man is in the back seat and he whispers the word mouse to her and she crashes the car into a tree um, to which she then honks the horn as these two people come out and we eventually, you know, get pieced together that Jesse made it through the night. She made it through her ordeal. She woke up in the hospital and then a lot has happened to her since she is wearing a frictionless burn glove on her right hand and writing a letter to Ruth, uh, in the novel, in the movie, she's writing the letter to her younger self. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah, in the novel, she's writing the letter as a hopes of like, maybe we can catch up sometime. I know it's been a while, but here's all the shit I've gone through. So maybe you can hear me out on that. And basically, she's like, you know, if I didn't know you, the persona that I projected upon myself uh, wouldn't have been tough enough to get me through the situation. Mm. Which is interesting. Uh, one thing that went through my head where it's like, wow, she's, she's a great writer. She kind of rivals uh, Stephen King here. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like Stephen King wrote the note himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't too big a fan of this. Ending. Uh, we're going to get into it a little bit more. But uh, yeah, as of now, like at this point, I was already kind of thinking it was a little too like treacly. And oh, yeah, not very. It, it doesn't really fit with the movie we just saw. I yeah. I kind of agree here where like cause something I wanted to point out too for a, lar- a large stretch of this movie there's no music at all. I mean like mm. no score. You're right. And it it kind of and it, it really fits that a- atmosphere and so as soon as like she's like picked up and like she's in the ICU or like she's writing this letter and then this music's kind of playing over this montage of her kind of like getting her life back together it it almost feels out of place. It almost feels like yeah. it doesn't belong. You want to like maybe kind of feel like like her being rescued right at the tail end there was enough somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You kind of want to leave it up to mystery to 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 some reason. I don't know. Yeah, Might be I, I definitely didn't need like all the closure we we got, which we're going to talk about pretty soon regarding a mm-hmm. certain uh, a certain fellow. Oh, mm-hmm. we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I agree and disagree with both of your opinions. There's and I'm sure we'll touch this up in the pizza ratings as well. So the cops, lawyers, and doctors all accept Jesse's amnesia. Jesse gets everything from Gerald's death because she's the only one in the the will, proposed will. 
Uh, Jesse constantly sees the Moonlight Man before going to bed and suffers PTSD from her situation. And she comments that the wedding ring that she wore during that situation was never found. Um, she started a foundation for young people going through similar trauma. And then six months later, we're introduced to the character of Raymond Andrew Jobert. And he is a clear Ed Gein parallel. Uh, and I mentioned that serial killers always have three different names. And he gets an extremely detailed slash grody backstory in the book that's only touched upon in the movie. Uh, wow. Very much full of necrophilia, serial killing, and his upbringing. Uh, he suffers from acromegaly, which is a progressive enlargement of the hand, feet, and face. And he lived with his sister and her husband, who he referred to as mommy and daddy. Weird. And basically he was just a real presence going on in Jesse's life during this point. This also happens in the novel, but I think it's handled a little bit better in the novel at the same point. Um, right. We get a little bit more backstory and we get a few more appearances of the Moonlight Man that, that add like, is this supernatural or is this really happening? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't spoken a word since his arrest. Um, in the book, Jesse and her new attorney friend, a nice coworker of Gerald's firm, actually uh, team together and sneak into this arraignment. And Jesse is given a little bit more power in the scene, aside from saying, like, you're much smaller than you look. She goes up to Jobert and she spits in his face hmm. and basically says, like, you have no power over me. And then she goes out, but not with the whole sequence with, like, the eclipse going on and she's walking down the street into her new life. Right. Um, I just think it's a little bit more powerful in the book and a lot of fans of this movie and a lot of... Uh, People who've read the book and seen the movie agree with me on that fact as well. Um, in the movie, Jesse just waltzes into court alone. As you get, she says, you're not real. You're made of moonlight. Uh, but first she's like, hey. Hey. <laughs> hey, you. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Detective. And the bear breaks his cuffs for no reason, which is very unsettling. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a, This is a big man. We don't know what. No, he, he's had dozens of killings. Yeah, and she sees all the men in replacement of Jobert's face that have tortured her, her father, Gerald, uh, throughout her life. And she laughs and says, you're so much smaller than I remember. And then she struts out into the eclipse sunshine and the movie ends. So the sunshine. I I was half expecting like, uh, like, she says she's the top of the world. She's the top of the world. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because this this look of like when she fly steps out, like a bird, I want to fly away. Like the 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 lighting and like the backdrop, it looks just so fake. I it's, know it's, it's 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 my it's the least favorite thing I like about this this movie. If I, I know if I had anything to really like really just say like no, I don't like this. It's it's that movie or like it's that movie. It's that part <laughs> it's of the that movie. scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, if it makes you feel any better, like all the Stephen King acolytes that I have uh, listened to feel the same. They do not like that she just struts off into the unknown. <laughs> and I mean, while she does get closure, it doesn't feel warranted. And that's basically their only nitpick with this film as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little bit clunky, this whole ending. Yeah. All right. So should we get into pizza ratings? <laughs> Sure. Uh, yeah, let's do it. I'll go first, since this is my pick, and I want to hear you two discuss. Uh, surprisingly, I like this movie. <laughs> I really do. I like the novel that it's based off a little bit more, if you couldn't tell. 
Um, but I think it is a solid adaptation of Stephen King. And I want to see more from Mike Flanagan. I think he has a way with the camera. He knows how to set a shot. He knows how to make something feel like a piece of theater when it's actually a motion picture going on. Um, and his respect for like the minute details, like he didn't have to include that Dolores Claiborne reference, but he did. And he knew those that would have noticed it would have really appreciated it. So I'm going to give him high marks for this. I'm going to say a solid six out of eight pizza slices for Gerald's game, a healthy pie. Okay. Well, I suppose uh, I'll go next. And yeah, I think it's a pretty similar uh, opinion <laughs> from me. <laughs> I think maybe I like it a, a slightly less. You know, I don't. You know don't have to mince your words. Tell me the truth. Oh, Speak no, just, the truth. Oh, just wait. Um, I, you know, I don't get all the all the nuance and subtle changes made for the movie, and um, you know, some of the callbacks to other works, but um. I think it's enjoyable on its own. I, I like the format. I like um, that he, that Mike Flanagan even dared to film this because it is, you know, a pretty experimental film. So uh, props to him. And yeah, I I do think for the most part they pulled it off. Uh, clunky dialogue and ending aside. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it, I, I do... Yeah, just speaking about that ending, it really does feel like it became, uh, what, Raymond Andrew Jobert's movie? <laughs> Always three names, Raymond Andrew Jobert. Like, uh, it, it kind of brings it back in the very final shots um, to, to Jessie and um, her kind of overcoming everything that she's faced and had to deal with. But, um... Hey, it just kind of it derails the whole story a little bit because it really kind of makes it more about this serial killer character that I don't really care about and I wasn't wondering too much about. You didn't think he was death not once during the movie? Mm, no, I, I think he was, but oh. I, I guess I didn't care that he wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and... Yeah, I there was something about that dog too that I there was like a point where I would think he was uh the where he was the serial killer or owned by the serial killer or something like that, but really I I don't remember why I thought that. He but, was in cahoots the whole time. Yeah. But I, I just thought maybe it could have been a little bit more polished. But still pretty solid movie, solid uh premise, and yeah, I appreciate the the character studies that are that the movie goes through here so i'm gonna give it a 5.7 out of eight pizzas i'll take it acceptable yeah there we go uh yeah i i I still like this movie i think i think i like it a bit less on a second viewing just Mm -hmm. kind of like over analyzing a little little bit of the little like minute details as well i didn't mind it as much the first time when i came to question where it's like hmm, how is she gonna get out of this i kind of just overlooked that a little bit mm-hmm. um but uh I, I, yeah and it also comes down to uh just that ending too i i i was a little bit indecisive when it came to it the first time and like now like just talking about it with you guys too out loud it I, yeah i find it a little bit problematic um 
it I, it just kind of it doesn't mesh well with the with the rest of the movie um you know i mean it's it's not like a huge huge like like i don't know uh problem for me but it does yeah. it does stand out and it, it and it's it's i don't know it's it like i said doesn't uh it doesn't if anything it kind of subtracts a little bit from um uh, from the the whole ordeal i think right um but uh overall no i i i, I love all the performances um I'm still in that vein where it's like, even if you, I think, you know, John, that you've already talked about this, uh, it mm-hmm. could, it could maybe even be adapted into uh, a, a, a theatrical performance as well. Oh yeah. They did misery. It could do it. It could happen. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I would be curious to see the either version uh, adapted. It would be challenging. I think if you're just going to use uh, her, like herself, her, um, her more, confident uh, persona like mm-hmm. speaking uh with a uh, ghost gerald throughout the course of the f- um the production but i uh, don't know like about uh even uh just the dialogue alone uh i'm a big fan of and uh just getting to see uh, the inner works of her psyche and uh how that translates back to uh, her traumatic experiences as well and uh yeah you know i'm 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 kind of in that same boat where i'm I'm up for more mike flanagan stuff i want to see what else he's going to be doing well the, if you got three uh, hours to decide dr sleep <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i've been i've been actually that's kind of been on the on the list uh so i, I thought it was great uh i uh i still need to uh set aside set aside some time for that so it's pretty good <laughs> um i'm not having seen or know much about it but uh mm. i'll uh I'll have the final say on that, but uh, yeah, I, I, so I guess I'll just uh, give my rating. I think, mm, yeah, I think I'll say six. I'll say six out of eight slices. Ooh, it's a, it's a, a fine, it's a fine piece of work. Mm, I'll with a significant other. <laughs> I can live on six slices, <laughs> on average. How many days can you live for? Oh, I don't know. Am I handcuffed to the bed? Is there a dog in the room? I'm not sure. Can you access water easily through a, a bendy straw? Yeah. Also, was that enough water for her? I'm not sure. <laughs> a little bit goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess we can give an end to this episode. Is there anywhere that our audience can reach you all on social media? Um. You can find me over at mzebrojr over on Instagram or Man Who Wears Hats over on Twitter. You can find me at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram or Drink and Read JK on Twitter. You can also follow my other podcast, Anime Was Not a Mistake, coming at you tomorrow with ooh, the finale of all anime finales. We're finally there. Revolutionary Girl Utena has come to an end, and oh, I, it's like Christmas. Oh, I swear. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think uh, I think if it were Tang instead of Water. Uh, maybe she could have busted out of there a lot more quickly. <laughs> she would have been strong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my name is Matt. You can find me. I'll be handcuffed to a bed near you coming soon. Ooh. And um, just if I bring my own, uh, if, if I bring my own uh, little man, I might, um, or maybe a big man, big daddy. <laughs> goddamn, goddamn little man. I might bring him along to, to lick my footsies, but just don't mind that. Just enjoy the show. And um, yeah, we're going to see if I could uh, bust out of that bed. <laughs> Anyone got any hints? <laughs> any? What are we watching next? Anyone going? Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm 
next on the chopping block here. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess I'll leave you off with this hint. It is a story of a, of a crazed entrepreneur. And you, and you don't know if he's telling the truth or lying. So it's Needful Things by Stephen King. Got it. Sure. <laughs> I was expecting it's a story of a lovely lady. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you next time, audience. Bye-bye. Don't handcuff yourself to a bed anytime soon. If you do, just make sure you got the latest iPhone. You, you just say, hey, Siri. That's it. That's all you got to do. Hey, Siri, it happened again! (laughs) All right, you bunch of movie-loving booze hounds, it's last call. You heard me last call. What do you mean? Who do you think you are? It's me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, your resident nightcaps at the theater co-host, bartender, movie podcast curator, and pretentious cinema snob. Nightcaps at the theater, yeah, that's right. Oh, you heard of it. Well then, friend, let me top you off. It's thanks to people like you that this little show of ours can make it into the final reel week to week. How else could Mark fund his Funko Pop addiction or Mac create a new internet handle every episode to avoid the FBI? We can't thank you lovelies enough, but why not keep the party going? Do you want to have a conversation on campy cult classics, question foreign flicks, or massacre movie monstrosities? Then look no further. Reach out to us on social media. You can follow our humble little podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Nightcap Cinema. And if you aren't listening to us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, whatever, and rating, reviewing, and for goodness sake, subscribing, well then, we might have to tell Aunt Ida to put some cha-cha heels on to kick your ass. I think I talked your ear off enough, though. But put that wallet away. This last nightcap is on us. <laughs>